Welcome, everybody. You are listening to the Playing On Podcast. My name is Carl Markowski, and thank you for joining me. This episode is brought to you by Charm City Paintball. I don't know if you guys have seen him or not. He's on Instagram and Facebook. He's making the hottest headgear out right now. It's all hand-sewn, uh, all the fabrics and everything. that he, Everything he finds and he makes is, uh, is, is all very rare, like 10 runs or, or less. Um, he has made the uh, American flag headband that I wear from now and then. I know I wear it on my pack. Um, I also, I believe most of the shock guys right now are wearing Charm City headgear. But, um, but you can find him over at Charm City Paintball on Instagram as well as Facebook. Uh, all kinds of new, unique stuff. He has tieback head wraps. He has Velcro head wraps. Um, the headbands are, are awesome. I love the old school sewn stuff. Not a big fan of like the, the sublimation and kind of the feel. I like the, I like the old school fabric, the tough, like just will last and, and, and go through anything. So, um, if you guys are interested at all, he's, he's also, uh, down to make unique one-off stuff. And, uh, and I think that's, I think that's really cool. He's, he's, he's very down to earth. Uh, I actually did a podcast with him. Uh, his name is Mike Thompson. So if you guys are interested at all, go ahead and head back and uh, and listen to that one. He's a, he's a great guy, cool story. But, um, but yeah, his company is Charm City Paintball. Make sure you guys check it out. We're also brought to you by Carbon Paintball, who has now have they have uh, an SC line along with a CC line, and these two have very small uh, differences. In the product because it's it's all quality work. It's I wear the uh, the base layer of SC bottoms and tops. I've been wearing them for a few years now, and I, I'll, I'll tell you what, it's been an amazing difference when uh, when I'm playing or even when I'm not playing. You know, it's it's one of those things where uh, you know you try and or you don't try. As soon as you get done playing, you rip off your knee pads and your elbow pads, and you you try and gear down and. And, uh, and cool down even while I'm wearing this stuff I, I don't feel that overheating effect or uh, or anything like that it's actually it's very very comfortable there's sometimes you hardly even feel that you're wearing it and I, I, I very much suggest it um, not only because it's a sponsor of the podcast but also because it's just it's it's great gear uh, they also have packs they have jerseys they have pants they have all kinds of stuff. They have these really cool thermal pods that actually change color when they've been on your back for too long and out in the sun, and they, they pretty much tell you when you should switch out your pods. So check them out, carbonpaintball.com. If you guys are ordering anything, make sure you use the promo code capital T-P-O-P for the Playing On Podcast, and you will get 10% off your entire order. So, uh, so yeah, head over there, grab some stuff. Thank you, Charm City Paintball. Uh, and we are also brought to you by Planet Eclipse, the makers of the best markers on the planet. I have an E-Tech that I have been using and shooting and dinking around with wherever I go. And I they're probably getting mad at me for uh, for pushing it so much, but uh, but it's it's amazing. It's it's and I have I've had nothing but great responses when when I've had people use it. Um, I think it's one of the best markers they've ever made, um, and and it's I mean retail on it is under three hundred dollars. I think it's even under two hundred fifty dollars. Don't quote me on that. I don't know what I'm talking about, but um, 
They've also made the uh, the CS1, the CS2, the LV1, the LV1.5, the LVR. They have all kinds of crazy gear. It's it's and they're not they don't they not only make amazing markers. They also have elbow pads, jerseys, pants, all kinds of soft goods. Uh, make sure you check them out. PlanetEclipse.com and uh, and yeah, another great company that I'm I'm super stoked to be involved with. So, thank thank you to all of our sponsors. This episode is with Greg Sewers. I've known Greg for a long time. He has been around the circuit for a long time, um, has been at the top of his game for, for a while, and, uh, and is now making his rounds with the LA Ironmen, who just took second in Chicago. A great performance. I mean, I'm, I'm very surprised that, uh, that they haven't performed like this sooner, but I mean, just like any good... Um, you know, any good ingredients or any good mixture or uh, any good recipe. It takes time uh, to brew and sit and grow, and, uh, and that was proven over, at, uh, over in Chicago. So without further ado, here is the podcast with Greg Sewers. Enjoy. So what are you looking at? Is there another screen that you're looking at? Yeah, I had a second screen. I'm just going to... I just dropped it onto my laptop so I can look at one thing. Are you a gamer? No. I, uh, no? I do workout programs and stuff. So I have yep. this uh, library that I've created from Hyperlink Exercises. So I just drag and drop and it's easier with two screens. Oh, nice. Yeah. I haven't gotten to that level yet. <laughs> Dude, it was my best investment ever. Really? Yeah, I mean, the screen costs like 50 bucks, and it makes my life so much easier. I would have thought it cost... Maybe I'm looking at the wrong screens. Oh, Is it, I mean, it's just a, just a separate monitor completely, right? Yeah, it's just a, literally a monitor that I plugged in with an HDMI. Nice. Yeah, works well. Yeah, I need to, I need to organize myself better. Maybe I need to second screen it up downstairs or something. Yeah, that is where it's at for sure. So what's up, man? What's new? just working dude i just got back from a clinic in utah i worked all day today on the training stuff and then i'm heading up to wine country tomorrow to keep working on a house we're rebuilding really yeah moving and shaking my friend moving and shaking <laughs> so you're in uh you're in california yeah uh sacramento area have you are you from california i'm originally from boston area <clears throat> oh really yeah um I moved out here when I joined Excessive in 07. 07. Jeez. <laughs> Let's um I forgot you you know I forgot you played for Excessive. You played for I mean you played for a few teams though throughout the years, right? A lot a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a um I mean I'm not trying to call you out on anything or nothing you you have to you don't have to talk about anything or whatever, but I mean was it something was it the organizations themselves? Was it kind of something where you just felt like you didn't fit at the time? Or I'm, I'm sure we'll go through the timeline of the teams as we go through your career. Sure. But um, I mean, mainly kind of was that where you just kind of trying to find your home slowly as the, as the years went on? A, a bit. I mean, actually, a lot of the teams I played for were like survival teams where I jumped on that squad just so I didn't have to not be pro because I worked so hard to earn it. Um, yeah. So like excessive, when I went, when I quit excessive, which was the first pro team I, I quit, I went out there and they basically, I, I was messaging Rich 
uh, over and over and over, and he wouldn't respond to me about like what was going on in the off season. So yeah. I finally I drove two hours to his house and knocked on his door and was like, "Hey, dude, like what's going on?" And he goes, "You know, I don't know what we're gonna have for sponsorship next year. I don't know who we have for players." And I got nervous. So lo and behold, like that was the first time I went out. I tried out for the Ironman. I went yeah. um, back to Rich and was like, "Hey, man, like I gotta quit. I found another spot." But I mean, between Bushwhackers folded, um, aftermath was the same thing as the rich thing they um just didn't call me back one time so i just always made sure i had a spot to be yeah (laughs) so let's go back um let's go back to when you first started uh, you know discovered paintball how tell me okay before we get into that um, let me ask you a question was it a birthday party it wasn't a birthday party (laughs) okay all right i just i have a little tally going to see how many are birthday parties how much are something else so uh, so how did uh, how did paintball come about in your life? Uh, paintball totally stumbled into my life. So my mom was a teacher, and for her classroom, she used to go to this recycling center in Providence that or uh, area, and they had um, equipment you could buy by the pound. So she'd go there to get her notebooks and pens. Well, yeah. upstairs from that, one random weekend was a paintball field, and my dad went with her, heard it, walked upstairs to check it out. We went as a family when I was nine years old, and indoor, I'd, indoor, yeah. Yeah, taught an indoor from P&L Paintball. It was something they had for like a handful of years. We used to call it the yeah. hamster cage. It was literally concrete <laughs> with wood bunkers and sawdust on the floor. Dude, there, I've heard so many of these stories. Like even the indoor that I used to play at was dirt over top of tile. <laughs> and then we eventually got – they eventually got bunkers. But the the paint would corrode and like just uh, coagulate and yeah. pretty much turn into concrete. So then you'd have you'd have these spots that everybody goes to in front of the bunkers because the field never changed. So you'd go to the the spots in front of the bunkers, which were half and half, like half concrete-ish rocks, half dirt and dust. And then you, right there underneath, about an inch underneath the dirt, you have tile. But then everywhere else, if you got to dive anywhere else, it's all like super solid, nasty concrete oh yeah dude we played on a sand field that was indoor that doesn't work well with coagulated paint we played on a concrete floor that literally had like not even carpet it had bath mats in front of each bunker where you would slide and you can imagine what those looked like after a little while and it was hyperball so like it wasn't absorbing anything yeah no when i moved west i was like this is amazing (laughs) dude i don't understand like um I mean, was it was there no kind of safety factor with the insurance companies or the field owners or anything going, man, maybe maybe this is a terrible idea. <laughs> like nobody I second mean, guess himself. I, I gotta say a lot of those fields that I played at either adapted and got turf like towards the end when I was moving mm-hmm. like getting ready to move. Um, or they, they went out of business, you know? It was one or the other. So yeah. apparently there was no safety. <laughs> yeah, that's kinda how it was around here. It's a it, Fields would kind of pop up, and uh, in the Midwest, around the, you know, the the Indiana, Ohio, Michigan kind of area, it was just they they pop up and then they disappear, and then they pop up here and then disappear, and there are only a very few that would kind of just stick around. And even then, now we only have, man, we only have one field within two and a half hours of where I live. That's like, yeah. but that field isn't even speedball anymore or airball. It's um, it's all just rec play, and there's only two fields like two actual paintball fields at this one place and paintball is not even the main thing there yeah see that's, that's, the that's you know difficult. what it is I, I think a lot of fields pop up because they think it's a 
oh, I'll just work this field on the weekends, I'll make income, and it'll be good. Because they don't, I think a lot of field owners don't even know about the world of paintball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just look at I it as, as a business. I did sales for guy for a little bit, and that's that's what I got, yeah. Yeah. So is, is that, so you're not doing that anymore? No, um, I left Dye's sale team. I helped them a little bit on the marketing side, but now uh-huh. um, I'm still with the Ironman, obviously, and I'm doing real estate here in Sacramento. Nice. Yeah. And that, trying, that's man. probably a little bit more lucrative than the uh, than the sales. Yeah, I figured it's time to grow up. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I mean. That's at least when we first started playing paintball. Because how, how old are you? I'm 29. You're trying to, yeah. So we're pretty much in the same semi sort of realm for the most part. <laughs> but um, but you know, it's like when we first started playing paintball, the, the whole dream was to get paid to play, mm-hmm. and the only way that that usually would happen is like having a job in the industry somewhere. So that was like the next dream was to try and find a job in the industry, and then once you kind of figure that that both of those were like. A long shot not necessarily a long shot maybe to find a job in the industry but it's kind of like did you really want to do it like no, do I, you really want to do it yeah I think that's the question for everyone who gets a chance to work in the industry is like does it does this work for you do you want to do both because mm-hmm. doing both is tough and it becomes now it becomes something where it's like just playing paintball you're not getting paid just to play paintball now it's kind of like one of those things where playing is kind of a part of what you're doing but you also have to focus on this other part that's paying the bills more, and it's like it's trying to balance everything. I think that's just the toughest part for for pros now. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys. I say a lot. There's a handful of guys that I'm friends with that do like the minimalistic thing, because if you mm-hmm. you want to do what we're talking about, like play paintball, work in the industry, you pretty much don't even need a house. You need a storage unit because you're going to travel so <laughs> right. much. So I know guys like um, I think Tim Montresor is a perfect example. He used to, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, lease a Cadillac and he had his nice house and he just started cutting back because he's like dude I'm gone three quarters of the year at at the minimum, you know, so mm-hmm. you just cut back Yeah, and it helps to not have kids or a, <laughs> a family or anything like that that you really <laughs> yeah. That's a whole nother project. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, which uh, Was it that you just got engaged or did you get married or what? Yeah, I got, I got happened in, recently. I, <laughs> something happened recently. Something happened. I try not to go on the uh, the internets too much, but uh, it, was, it was recently though, right? Yeah, I got engaged in February, but she's super busy too, so we kind of pushed the wedding back till summer of this coming year. Oh, well, congratulations, man. Thanks, man. She's cool. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a good thing. I'm that's glad. That's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, let's jump back into your, uh, into your paintball timeline. So... You, uh, so you discovered this, this, well, your father discovered this paintball, uh, field that was a couple stories <laughs> above where your, uh, your mom was getting your supplies. Um, now did you guys go that weekend or something just to check it out? Did you say? I don't know what the timeline was. It, I mean, after my dad came back, he told us about it, decided he wanted to bring us as a family. Um, so me, my brother and my two sisters all played and I, I don't think they really enjoyed it, but I was hooked straight from the get-go. Yeah. And I remember yeah. I was nine because, sorry, PNL, my dad lied because the, the cutoff for insurance was 10. So yeah. I remember he leaned in and he goes, if anyone asks, you're 10 years old. I'm like, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> nice, dude. Yeah. So sometime in that time frame. 
Now, were you were uh, were you athletic as a kid, or did you play a lot of sports or anything, or competitive? Oh yeah, I had my I had my foot in everything. Like I I played every major sport that you would as as a kid: baseball, mm-hmm. soccer. Um, I played soccer for like fourteen years, um, total when I was done. But um, yeah. even then, like I was getting into skating, and I knew I wanted to be an athlete. I didn't care how. Yeah. I just knew I wanted to be. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I was too. You know, I was like. Uh, you know, well, at least I played um, I played soccer a lot when I was a kid, and then as I got to uh, kind of like uh, the high school years is when I just started focusing on football and baseball, and but then also I mixed in I snowboarded and I skated, so it was kind of a, a, a mix. But I never considered myself like a jock, like I, I didn't really hang. And that's the thing is I never really hung out with a lot of the guys from baseball or football because once I discovered paintball, I was hanging out with all those guys. <laughs> that were from like Michigan and everywhere else, and um, yeah, a lot of my focus started going towards that. But, but I, yeah, dude, I just I, anything that I could do where it, my it was physically demanding on my body, I was I was totally into it. Hundred percent challenge accepted at every turn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> was there anything that that kind of took off um, besides paintball that you were like maybe thinking about taking a little bit more serious? Not in particular. I mean, it's hard to say when it was. It was really high school era that you. I had to make my decision because it was between mm-hmm. soccer and paintball. But at the time, there was, there was no question. I guess the only reason I'd say soccer was optional was because the school I came from, we were the best in the area, like by far. If we took second place, it was a sin. So, <laughs> I think there was an opportunity to probably go to college with scholarships and see where that went. But yeah, it, once paintball came around, there was no no other option. Yeah, you just started playing just constantly and constantly, and you saw you saw yourself getting better. So, like, obviously, in any athlete, once they see progression, like at, at any level, once like even right now, I'm uh, I have uh, we did chokes today in uh, in jujitsu, and uh, my neck is like killing my Adam's apple. Like my Adam's apple <laughs> kind of sticks out a little bit, so that's like just a peak that people just just crank on. And we were doing these uh, we were doing these chokes. I was like, man, like this is, like, do I want to do this? Like, am I, am I, is my is my body ready to kind of like take the next step? Because I just got my two stripes as a white belt. Like everybody starts <laughs> everywhere, but but I'm seeing these small these small steps. Yeah. And I'm I'm seeing these. Uh, I'm starting to get like comp like slowly get compliments and this and that from like other white belts and even from higher belt rankings, and it's those those things that. The questions in your head that you're asking yourself, that other people are reassuring you, and I think as an athlete you can agree with me. Like once those things kind of start happening, like okay, like this is something that I could I could maybe start taking a little bit more serious, and and maybe kind of start tackling. And I, 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 I love yeah, that. Those feeling. little victories. Yeah, yeah. It. And and jujitsu is a lot, lot like paintball. Like you outsmart someone for the first time, and you see your little like bit of domination, and I I just. It's like that inner savagery in you that just oh, wants more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like it will. And the same thing with even, um, even with defeat. Like I think a true athlete and a true competitor, even in defeat, can can respect and appreciate what happened, and then take that not not have amnesia about the next point of of kind of just forgetting about what happened, especially if you lost or anything like that. But then taking that and then. You know, spinning it, spinning it, spinning it around as either uh, fuel for the next one or like a learning experience or a good mix of both. 
Yeah, I would totally agree. As long as you're as long as you're in the fight, or at least for me, as long as you're in the fight and you can walk away knowing that you did everything you possibly knew how or could, then yeah. If not, mm-hmm. if you had an off day, you were tired or whatever, then I'm just like, this was a waste. What was I doing? It's yeah. a totally different feeling. <laughs> yeah, well, and you feel like with paintball too, you kind of feel um, you have this in control but out of control feeling it's hard to explain because there's so many variables that are happening that you have to be so mentally strong because all it could take is maybe you getting shot twice off the break going somewhere and you could see somebody's you know somebody's demeanor just go just drop completely dude you yeah you cannot let any of that shit happen because it's complete random it's complete random that that guy's going to be able to put maybe another ball in the same spot again especially if you made it the time after the two times you got shot but you had a ball go three inches in front of your face and the other one he shots you know went right by your pack so it's yeah. it's just complete random now if you start making moves that are questionable and like hey man you probably should have like thought about it a little bit more or anything like that but otherwise you just got you got to be so mentally strong in this sport and um it, it's a lot more than being physically demanding that's for sure uh, yeah, <laughs> it takes time to learn that too because you go through all the like the crazy adrenaline fueled emotions anyway. Like you get angry and then you get upset and then you there's that one point in time where you start to blame other people. But like there's just so many parts yeah. that just drop yeah. you. You have to like humble yourself and get mm-hmm. the zen going. <laughs> and I think early on, early on, I think uh, uh, you know a lot of people went through this, or at least I did. It was just like you said. I think you have that kind of that. Well, it wasn't me. That you know, that wasn't my fault. And you can you try and look at it. And I don't think it's until you have that experience and you have that kind of that veteran mentality and experience to where you can actually look at things from a little bit different or of, of a perspective and go. You can start seeing things more clear, and then your your timing becomes more smooth. Mm-hmm. You know, your um, your um, your communication to your teammates becomes a lot more clear and they understand shit you're saying a lot better. And I think that's that's what we try and convey at these clinics. And I you know, I, I'm pretty sure every person that's went to your clinic or a Marcelo clinic or a Greenspan or anybody out there, any of the any of the veteran pros that have done this, what we try and preach more is your uh, your basics, obviously, of of uh, your uh, your stances, your snap shooting, your elbows, this and that. But we try and push more is the mentality state of of the rights and the wrongs, the, the the when you should and when you shouldn't kind of thing. And there's so many people who are like, oh, this is a great drill. You might you might be able to do this. You might be able to do that. But until you actually take it to the paintball field and you go through the repetition and you have those those steps that you go through and those trials and those errors and those mistakes until you make those and you figure those out. That's all we're doing at these clinics is showing you these things. You have to take them the next step. Yeah. And that's what I try and tell so many people that. No, it's ab- absolutely true. I mean, like I said, uh, Kyle Spick and I just did a clinic last weekend. And we did mm-hmm. one day where we incorporated, you know, the, the real basic techniques, gun skills, blah, blah, blah. But then day two was so much more fun because we did a specific team clinic. And all we did all day long was team drills and concepts, like try to make people understand why. And then there's always the question like, oh, was this right? Well, that, is that right? Well, yes, this time it was, but the next time if this happens, it's not. So yep. you just have to literally understand a concept, know your why things happen, and then just run it over and over and over again until you can understand 
the grander scheme like and start recognizing scenarios yeah yeah and trusting yourself trusting your feelings tr- trusting your gut because when you're when you play front like we do it's so much more of a it's a control game for sure i mean you as front players we're trying to control the back players and vice versa to a, from a back <laughs> player to a front player so that's a that's a great close game that i love playing but um but not only that but it's also it's also that feeling it, it's you know it, it's so many things too that you try and you know come you, you try and teach at clinics that you can't you can't teach you trying to explain them but it's so hard to teach like like a rhythm of a guy shooting at you and being able to time that rhythm out to where maybe you head check here and he draws his gun down and you run that way or mm-hmm. you can you can feel when he's shooting or you can sense when he's loading without even looking at him it's like there's so many things that you just don't you can't teach somebody it's just something you kind of grow up doing yeah it's a, it's the sixth sense of paintball <laughs> i love it dude it's so much like <laughs> I, I i just love i love being the age i am now and the experience that i have now um because of those little nuances that that we've we kind of do and and uh some of the younger guys don't have yet but yeah I mean, that's that's you know being this age and in this experience in paintball or in any sport and being able to kind of have a trickle down effect it is cool when people are like hey i try to model my 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 moves after you and i'm like sweet man i don't know if it's a good idea <laughs> yeah. but it works for yeah, me no, you yeah, know? I know. <laughs> I know, cause I'm a. I mean, I'm. I like. I'm a risk taker. I'll. I'll admit it. I like taking risks. Um, you know, it's big risk, big reward, or whatever that saying is. But um, <laughs> I mean, I definitely play with my head too. But I just. I. What's fun for me are those times, are those those close quarter battles, and and just trying to make the other guy across from me guess yeah. what I'm gonna do. Because I feel like in in the pros too, I feel like it can get very, um, uh, very repetitive, because everybody's so fucking locked in and so tight on their shots. It's almost like, you know, I try and think like, um, well, what would I do in this situation? So whenever I'm playing somebody, I kind of like, okay, well, I would probably try and shoot me in and go to this next spot or whatever. But you at the tro- at the top level, you have to have your shit on, but you have to be unpredictable, otherwise. You're- you're going to get picked off. Yeah, and that's what I love trying to do. It, it's literally my favorite part of paintball is, is juking people. That's why like, yeah. I, I, I shoot with one hand low and come out high and why I tactical retreat and do all these other ridiculous things. But sometimes they work, and I swear there's a grand master scheme that I kind of had along the way that <laughs> yeah. adrenaline blinded half of it, but I thought this would work. And mm-hmm. I don't know, like kind of relating to what you said before is being willing to make that mistake once or twice is what allows you to get away with those things more often. Yeah, yeah, and it's doing it at practice. It's trying it out at practice, and and not. I'm not saying don't take practice seriously, but you have to, especially like when you're learning a field or anything like that. It's it's you. That's what you're trying to do. You're learning the field. You're feeling out what works and what doesn't work, and how the field flows because the field has a flow. You have to find it, but there is that stream that runs through the middle of the field, or it might run this way, or it might run that way. And un- until you kind of make those moves and make those mistakes at practice, you're not gonna you're not gonna find them. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, and we we talk about it all the time. I think my my famous quote to I was leaning over Bobby and I had this weird play that I wanted to try and I was like, they yeah. called the five seconds to start the practice play and I was like, Bobby, 
I hope this works before the game started. <laughs> like, I promise nothing, but I have a cool idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's what it takes, man. That's what it takes is an idea. And that's what I don't want to see this sport or the new players. I don't want them to get into this robotic mentality of, like, snap, shoot, snap, shoot, move. Move, snap, shoot, up, down, left. Like, just to be able to relax a little bit and play the game rather than, you know, just being so... But that's why that's why every clinic you go to and I go to, there's always that one kid that's like, "Hey man, play me in a one-on-one," because they think if their gun skills beat me in gun skills that one time, that they're as good as I am. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It like solidifies their thought process instead of going, "Okay, you can win that gunfight, but I'm gonna go this way and I'm gonna end up shooting you in your ear because you're not paying attention." You know, like that. Right. That realm just gets missed sometimes, and I have my theories as to why, but that's another story. <laughs> I'm dude. I have I have all night. I'm 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 ready. But let's let's do this. So let's because we kind of went off on a tangent. Mostly yeah. the tangents are mine that I just kind of like pull way out of the side. But um, <laughs> but I think we were I think we were back to uh, your high school years when you kind of had made a decision between soccer and, uh, and and paintball. What you were you were already kind of you you made up your mind right in the paintball direction. Yeah. So to, to kind of like back it is I went for the first time when I was nine. When I was 12, I started really getting into paintball, like playing every weekend style. Mm-hmm. Um, and at one point between basically 14 and 16, I was playing four times a week. Um, Jeez. Yeah, I was practicing Wednesday nights uh, at the Hurricanes camp, the New England Hurricanes, for the guys that remember, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was working Saturday mornings at a paintball field for a case of paint so that I could play that afternoon. Saturday Been there, nights. dude. Yeah. Been there, working for cases of paint, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Saturday nights, we had that same indoor that I grew up on to ourselves with, like, all the guys who basically taught me how to play. So mm-hmm. we would go have a fun night on Saturday night, and then on Sunday, I had team practice. So literally, I was playing four times a week by the time I was – before I was 16. Jeez. I mean, that's what <laughs> that's what it takes. I yeah. mean, that's what it takes to really figure yourself out. I mean, so you were on a team at this point. Yeah, I was uh, I was playing for a couple of the guys who helped coach the New England Hurricanes. Originally, it was Horror Show, which was just a local store, and then I moved to a, a, a national team called PTI, which was run by another local store. Did you have to try out for that team? Uh, not really. I kind of got recruited from the Horror Show team because the owner there, Dave Adams, was letting everyone know that I was serious because I was. I was serious. I was spending every weekend at his store, learning the guns, learning the concepts, learning the games. So mm. when I was on his team, he was constantly trying to help push me to a national team. So I wasn't given a spot, but I got there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's when hard work comes into play and people notice, I mean, it's doors start opening. Yeah, absolutely. And it's say. obvious. You stand out from all the people who don't, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard work. Yeah. Hands down. So uh, how where... Where did it go from here? So you, so this PTI was a national team, right? Yeah, so I was playing D3, which was the lowest at the time, uh, and that was MPPL. So was, was that uh, – what year was that? Ooh, so that was 2004. Was that, that was it. I think it was just the one year. I wonder – did you ever play Tipman Effect? Oh, yeah. So we Absolutely. might have played each other. I think we might have. Actually, I remember a Tipman Effect game because we were on the JT field and I crawled to your snake too, like off the break. And yeah. the shocker I was shooting broke. 
<laughs> I couldn't shoot anybody. <laughs> it was like waking up in a nightmare. Like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> I actually think you guys beat us that game too. Dude, we we had hey, a ball. decent team that year. <laughs> yeah, right. It's well. I remember uh, that year we turned uh, we turned pro as seven man tip and effect. Like I I looked at it as oh like I made it. Yeah. But it's still I I still felt like even though I had the title, um, I felt that that the actual pro level was here, and I was like I was like right here. Yeah. I just needed I just needed some step, and um, yeah, that whole season playing in the MPPL seven man, I I played my lights out you know lights out i was i was just i was on not necessarily i was on fire but i felt super focused that year yeah and um and i i remember times playing on tipman and playing against like dynasty we played excessive we played all these other divisional teams and everything and we never placed super high i mean we won our games and not but like i i was never i was never like eh, like felt sorry for ourselves or anything like that like i was going there to compete even though i had a m16 in my hand as a <laughs> as a tournament marker um size wise not rate of fire yeah. but um but it was it was it was so much fun that year that's and awesome I, just, yeah, I mean I'm you always know man. the years when you're focused right <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um so what happened after that what was what was kind of your uh what was the journey after that um so i was in the battle to be a hurricane from yeah. that point on um I, I literally i remember the first national event i went to was huntington beach and i was driving down the boardwalk with my dad and i think i was 12 or 13 years old and i was like i think i want to live out here and i told him i wanted to be a pro paintball player and lo and behold mm -hmm. but uh so at 16 i i got a shot i went pro at 16 with new york extreme when a lot of the old guys left and the hurricanes took over and i was basically that kid that they were like go short shoot this way, don't die. And I got right. to play two points, you know? So I, I went pro with them at Riverside, which was the second to last event in 2006. Um, I played World Cup with them. And then at the end of that year, they basically told me NYX was hurting. They weren't sure if I was going to get a spot. And I just wanted to be pro, man. That's all that mattered to me. And I kept mm -hmm. being told, you need experience, you need experience. Uh, so shortly after I went pro, uh, excessive 2006 crazy awesome excessive broke up and they were looking for players I well, remember a that. long yeah through a long chain of events um, I knew Junior Brown pretty well and he was moving mm -hmm. out to help with the new excessive squad so I got a call uh, for the tryouts flew out literally like a day later to try out for excessive um, got a call back flew again the next weekend got on the team and then here's where it got real crazy is, so I finally made pro. I had to go quit NY, NYX officially. Mm -hmm. um, I joined Excessive at the beginning of 2007, and that was my senior year of high school. Every weekend, my senior year, I'd get dismissed the last period, one period early, on Friday. I'd fly to Sacramento, practice Saturday, Sunday. I'd take a red-eye flight home Sunday night. I'd land in Boston around like 6 a.m., and my dad would pick me up and drive me straight to school, so I'd get there like a little halfway into first period every yep. weekend for a year yeah it was crazy Dude, it was so <laughs> rough when i was playing for excessive and i had to fly out there for practices and whatnot yeah. oh my God. it's a beast man i like i think if you asked me to do that now i'd struggle but at the time it was like yes i'm pumped i'm ready no like You're young determined oh yeah yep <laughs> that's great
Now, um, you were on that team for uh, you were on excessive for how long? Only a year. Only a year. Only the year. Yeah, I I left excessive at the end of 2007 for the Ironman in 2008. And you tried out for the Ironman, made the Ironman? Yeah, so I tried out. I actually flew down there with Johnny Perchak. And obviously I'm on a plane with Johnny Perchak, and I'm like, this legend. I'm flying down with him. Like, how am I ever going to make this team? You know, and uh, on the team already was this incredible line. It was Mm -hmm. Brandon Short, Oliver Lang, Nikki Cuba, like all these dudes that I've been watching on VHS, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Kind of put our age in there. Uh, oh yeah <laughs> yeah but I, I flew down there and uh, I ended up making the team so I, I played for Ironman all of 2008 but that year was real crazy because I got my spins you know I got a lot of reps throughout the year and then towards the end of the year I started losing them um, I think I just wasn't playing up to par with the other guys right. and at the end of 2008 the team won World Cup uh, back back and I didn't play a single point at World Cup. It was absolutely devastating. My whole family was there. My sisters had never seen me play pro. This whole nine yards, uh, I was oh, broken, geez. dude. And then at the, funny enough, at the end of 2008, the Ironman cut me. And it's the only team I've ever been cut from. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> now, is that, that when the, is that when the impact thing kind of happened too? Uh, that was later. All right, so I'll, I'll kind of hyper the timeline so that was 2008 2009 i was trying to survive and i was playing for basically i was playing for two teams from 2008 until basically when they stopped everybody until 2011 you remember how everyone played for two teams yeah yeah. in that time period i played for explicit bushwhackers aftermath oakland assassins uh aftershock in 2010 and then I joined Infamous in 2011, and that's like you when for shock? serious. Yeah, 2010, the year that we made World Cup finals, dude. Green jerseys. <laughs> Green jerseys. Yeah, the team was me, Tim Montresser, Sam Monville, Nick Sloviak, Zach Patient, Chris Osine. Oh, uh, was that against that the? Rock. Was that against the Russians? The final? Oh yeah, yeah. Everyone remembers that game. <laughs> Man, 2010. That's so I. I stopped. I, I had a little hiatus, 2009 to 2013. So I literally, like, I didn't really even follow paintball um, yeah. during those years until probably 2012-ish. I kind of started watching it again. Um, so like, I miss. I had this whole. I have this whole chunk of paintball <laughs> years that I that I missed. Yes. That I had no idea what was going on. They were intense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you played. Um, so so aftershock 2010 yep uh, uh the, the whole season the whole season yeah I, i've never left a team mid-season i i, I feel yeah. like that's like cheating on someone you know it's like the the thing you don't do is leave mid-season yeah yeah and i was What's, always happy uh, with my teams you know there was always good reason mm-hmm. at the end of the year to leave right right well it's i think i feel like it's always a year to two years where things just are kind of thrown up in the air where it's like sponsorships or the team itself folding, players players leaving. It's always that kind of two-year period where it's nobody really knows what's going on. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. It's so true. So who came up uh, – who was next after <laughs> Aftershock? So after Aftershock, I joined uh, – I'm down and I tried out for Infamous. So I ended up playing for Infamous 2011 and 2012. 
Um, and 2012 was actually the first time I ever won a tournament with Infamous, like ever nice. in my career. <laughs> and we won Chicago's back to back. It was awesome. Hell yeah. But, yeah. I, and to, funny enough, so 2012 I played for Infamous, and then years down the line I played with Tim Montressor again for multiple years, and he basically was giving me a pep talk one day. He's like, "Yeah, dude, I didn't even know your name until 2012." And I'm like, "I we were on the same team, bro." <laughs> and, you know, like, and he goes, "Yeah, but you were just some kid, like." blah 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 I was like I was a starter on shock with you you know we went back and forth but I think yeah. as, a, as a pro in general like how you were saying when I went pro I was here but the pro tier was really up here right. 2012 is when I hit that tier yeah. when I like started making a name for myself yeah it was man those were the those were the years too because I feel like for me that was I don't. I wouldn't say. I think 2004. I made it. Like at the end of 2004, when I actually got picked up by Excessive, I felt like I, I, I made it. Yeah. But I wasn't where I wanted to be as far as skill level goes and everything. So I made. I made it to that level. Now I just need to become a pro, in 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 my eyes. And I don't yeah. really think I'm. I don't really think I made a name for myself until. Man, I don't know. Like maybe oh six, oh seven. One hundred percent. Yeah, I, like I feel like oh five was. I'm still trying to kind of, still trying to fight for me to be there. And um, not that I felt like I was threatened, like I was gonna get cut or anything. But I just felt that yeah, I was the young kid. I was I was trying to fight for my my relevance on yeah. the team. And I think it was yeah six seven, um, half that year on or the year oh six on excessive, and then when I started playing for Avalanche in 07. Is 100%. From outside perspective, like your name came up in 05. Everyone knew it in 06. And then 07, like you were already, you were Carl. Like you already existed. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so weird. It's weird too because I remember seeing from and hearing from other people's perspectives, like even your whole story, like bringing up the impact thing. Like I, I know these little blips because I've kind of I've I've heard your name too and kind of followed you here and there and here and there and now <laughs> you know now to hear I've just kind of followed your whole I've, I kind of follow everybody who's especially who's really nice because sure. I think I you're like one of the really nice guys so I kind of know like yeah. kind of all those guys and you and I can narrow them. down the nice guys real quick like all right that dude's cool <laughs> yeah. this dude he kind of sucks anyway. yeah oh and I can be an asshole if I wanted to but I don't like being an asshole so it's yeah. like. Yeah, there's no reason. Here, man, fun but that means too. when you are an asshole, everyone pays attention because you're not normally. If you're an asshole all the time, no one, yeah. no one cares. <laughs> mm -hmm. it's my yeah, unless I'm being told otherwise. Maybe yeah. I'm just being... <laughs> Make it up. Um, so let's see. So you were on... Um, so let's see. I went back to... You were at Aftershock 2010. Then you were Infamous. Infamous 11 and 12. Yep. Um you guys won tournaments and everything. So what what happened? What happened at that point after 2012? So, like I said, I kind of established my name in 2012. Right. Um, and up until, man, really, really up until Infamous, I, I was still paying for paintball, like paying my hotel and paying my food and, um, you know, all the all the little nuances, paying for some practice paint here and there. And right. then, uh, so in 2012 was the first time I got like anything really you know i got a couple axes and i was like oh you know what <laughs> you and i know what axes are worth let's be real but uh ax plus cash bro yeah bro <laughs> so at the end of 2012 um 
Dave Baines is actually my local field owner here in Sacramento, and he was yeah. with Impact. And he basically was like, well, are you interested in leaving? And I'm like, oh, you know, not really. I really like the infamous guys. Well, then, not not a couple days later, I get a call, and they're offering me a salary to play for Impact. I'm like, oh, my God, right? So yeah. I'm really happy with the infamous guys. We were good. We had a great team. So I was like, hey, guys, you know, I really appreciate it, but no. And, of course, they're mind blown, right? They're offering me a salary, and I'm getting axes. So mm -hmm. I hang up the phone, and an hour later, I get a call, and they're like, look, we'll give you a little bit more. And they give me the number, and I was like, yep, I got to leave. You know, I'm in college. I'm broke. I'm working a job at 4 a.m. before class to, like, make right. ends meet. Uh, and now I, I can just play, play paintball and personal train. Yeah, I'm in. Let's do this. Right. So yeah. I jumped on the impact 2013. Yeah, dude, that's hard to argue with. That's, that's really hard to argue with, especially because, I mean, yeah, your, your dream was to go pro and now, you know, there's always these steps, you know, after you make it to a certain spot and, you know, after you made pro, you want to figure out how to make a living doing this to continue doing this. <laughs> And it's yeah. it's really hard when numbers when when numbers like that are set in front of you and like just to play paintball. Yeah, and and this wasn't like the impact that everyone knows now. This was impact still growing. You know, mm -hmm. like they were they were a good team, not great. Um, but the, the, it was the same year they picked up uh, Justin Rabikoff. So I mean, yeah, the the team was stacked, and we took second place after second place after second place that year. It was heart wrenching. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I didn't even know they were paying guys back then. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it was nothing crazy, but you know, as college goes, <laughs> any money's good stuff. Good money. Thing costs. Yeah, things cost money. So yeah, true that. And you played with them for how many? Just one year. When I joined Impact, I thought I was going to retire with that team. I was so happy. Yeah. Bart Yakimek, the team, those dudes are awesome. Uh, Bart's one of the best owners I've ever had. Like. Those dudes are great. So I yeah. literally thought I was done when I joined Impact. <laughs> Not so much though. What, what, <laughs> yeah, what happened? Um, so Heat had been calling me since 2012. But the first year they made the team, they were like, hey, we're not going to, we can't tell you who's on the roster, blah, blah, blah. And it was because like mm -hmm. the Russians were still coming over. No one knew yet, that kind of thing. So right. I didn't know Sarge and Mama D, the owners at the time. So I just kind of brushed it off. Well, 2013 came around, Heat's established, they called me and they offered me money, and it was more than what I was making on Impact, and I was like, wow, like, here's a chance to truly be full-time, because even on Impact, I was working 40 to 60 hours a week as a personal trainer. Right. Um, so they called, I, even, I told them no, even though it was great money, yeah. and then they called back and they were like, hey, we'll take you, your friend Tim, and your friend Ryan, because basically, Impact had knocked out Heat three or four times that season, like out of the tournaments. So they were mm -hmm. trying to break up Impact and build a team, right? So they called, and I was like, okay, you know, maybe if you're taking all three of us, like, let's see what happens. And a day later, I got a phone call with a salary that I could not believe to play paintball. And I, really? I, I couldn't say no. I truly couldn't say no. So lo and behold, I... Ended up leaving at the end of 2013 with Tim Montressor and Ryan Moorhead to Houston Heat. And I was a full-time paintball player. That's all I did. I, I played the European Series. I played the NXL. 
and or the PSP at the time, and yeah. sold my guns and jerseys. That was it. Man, I mean, how, like, <laughs> yeah. Realistically thinking, I mean, I don't know how much those guys are getting paid now on Heat or on on Impact, but I mean, how long do you think that realistically lasts? I mean, do you do you do you think it does last? Do you think there there's this time where it kind of becomes what do I do now? I mean, is, is insurance involved is, you know, yeah, yeah no, I, I totally get you. I mean, so uh, yeah, I think to some extent, some of it could last as a full-time gig. No, I don't think it, it can last now with the stage that paintballs in, but mm-hmm. flash forward, I played for heat for three years and I, I know I'm not going to get paid to play paintball forever. So yeah. I actually ended up quitting heat because I got a job selling paint for a competing company. So I was like, oh, I can go get a salary working in the industry like we had talked about at the very beginning yeah. and and continue to play paintball. It required me to leave heat. And I was like, okay, I get it. I love what I do, um, but I can't be an athlete forever. So I'm going right. to try to be smart and get this job. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think it lasts. Yeah, well, at the the pay, now, it, you know, the pay's not going to last. The pay is not, and I think that's what, that's what, I would love to see in the future because I feel like so many of these athletes, even of extreme sports, once they make it to a certain level, it's like it's life changing, right? I mean, it's life changing. Yeah. It's it's almost, you know, in some it's life securing, um, but it's it's like a minimum wage job for some. I mean, they're getting paid, uh, but it's like a minimum wage thing, even maybe a little bit more. Um, but it's kind of like it's just kind of a thing that goes from year to year. That's not really setting me up for the future. It's kind of just good for right now. I mean, obviously I'm speaking yeah. from outside the box because I've, I've never been paid like that to play, but, um, but I can't imagine anybody sticking around because they're going to be there for, you know, five, six years and life's going to be changing because of being on this yeah. team or whatever it is. I fully agree, man. Like I, I grew up with a dude who ended up going to the NFL, and I think his first year recruited, he made 800k. Like that's <laughs> that's a good start. That's life changing shit, you know. Yeah. But I, I'm with you. I think being a full time professional paintball player was my goal for a long, long time. So I got to that point. I enjoyed it. I I would still enjoy it, but life changes, man. I had other goals. Like I want to, I want to drive a Lamborghini like before I'm too old to drive one, you know? So yeah. paintball's not going to buy me a Lamborghini. I know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We hope, but yeah. I mean, I think that's <laughs> what, that, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But you know, it's, <laughs> I think that's my goal with maybe the future of paintball. You know, I, I, I plan on being involved in the industry in, in one way or another, maybe not I would say, yeah, industry slash sport, um, and that's one of my goals is to actually make paintball life changing for for players, for teams, make incentives for teams to be able to play um, and, and and be able to pay their players, and and not have it be only the top teams able to able to pay for these players to play, and then now you have all of these other teams struggling to try and make time to compete to practice to be able to compete against the top teams who are do, really doing nothing but practicing with each other and going out and having fun and getting all this camaraderie and 
and playing paintball on top of that. So it's like I want that kind of level playing field, you know, to where it's, you know, all these teams are able to do that with their players. And and I, we have a lot of thing that a lot of things that we kind of have our hand in that we're trying to figure out. But I think one of the biggest mistakes right now, or I, I don't want to say mistakes, maybe bad decisions or decisions not made uh, are because right now all we all we have in the industry is paintball companies. I mean, wh- why why is paintball so addictive? Whether it be competitive paintball or or tournament um, or scenario paintball, you know, big games or whatever. Why is it so addictive for the player and the and the companies that are in paintball to grow and get big? But we cannot seem to narrow down any outside company more than a year or so and have interest and stick with it and really kind of start slapping logos all over the place. Why have we not been able to solidify that? And I think that's the question that we right now are trying our best to answer. I'm, and I'm not speaking for the NXL. I'm not speaking for you know any of the other companies. Right? I, I'm, I'm saying it from a player's perspective and and possible future vent uh, venture perspective you know how can we answer that question and how can we make paintball and and something that is understandable and viewable to somebody who can easily jump onto twitch and watch something like that or or, or watch a pro gaming thing or just or, or whatever how how can we grab all of that and and turn it into something viable for a paintball player to be actually be able to live their life so that's that's one question that i'm well it's kind of a few questions questions. yeah yeah it's a lot of questions but i I think the answers are out there i I just don't think i don't think we've asked the right questions i don't think we've pursued enough i don't think we've we've thought about it in in the ways that we should yet and I, i think that's that's our biggest problem i think we're giving up i think we're giving up on old questions um, which we should be, but I think we're giving up. When we give up on that, I feel like people just throw it to the wayside and say, "Well, it's never going to happen. It's not yeah. going to happen." I just don't think we've done the right thing yet. I, I, I think we've we've come close, but I just don't think we've we've just we haven't opened the right door. It's there. It's just not open yet. Yeah, I, I fully agree. I should have taken notes on that because I could have. I had so much to say, but you asked a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah, sorry. So no, that's okay. I'm, I'm all about it, man. I love paintball. Um, I think from players make making a living and changing their life standpoint, I don't think it's that that needs to happen because we need to equalize the competition and the ability of teams to get players and that kind of thing. I think that needs to happen because, dude, I'm 29 years old and I'm pretty sure I've shaved lives like years off my life playing paintball. Oh, 100%. Just yeah. the lost sleep. It's it's you versus the ground, not you versus paintball. You know what I mean? Like the number the of ground always wins. The ground always yeah. wins, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I've beat the shit out of myself because I love the sport. Like, I would love mm-hmm. to have some money in the bank to show for it, too. So I think, right. like, that's why the money thing has to exist. But from a paintball standpoint, I always compare paintball to uh, sports like volleyball or tennis. You can't play paintball or tennis or volleyball with someone who doesn't know how to play. Because you can't mm-hmm. stay in play. You can't keep the ball in play. You can't enjoy the game. Paintball has a, a thousand balls to follow instead of one. So you have to understand the game before you can go out there and really enjoy it. 
scenario paintball does really well because you can be whatever you want to be, man. You can be a Wookiee out there with a grenade <laughs> and just make up your own thing, you know what I mean? But in right. competitive paintball, you have to understand. And the difference between that and anything else that's taken off, like you, you compare it to video games because everyone does because we right. have guns that shoot people. Uh, one, everyone's soft these days, so nobody wants to be physically active. And two, there's, there there's no standardized map. So let's say we change the layout every time, which we have to because paintball's ever-growing and the players are outgrowing the rules. Can you imagine mm-hmm. if we still shot 15 balls a second? We'd never miss I, off the break. I wish. Yeah, you but, but I wish it was semi. I wish it was semi-auto. So I've been told, I say semi-auto too, but I've been told that if we go semi-auto, they said a handful of players who are in the industry said, I will have a cheater gun. And I will not get caught. I promise you. I think that's bullshit. I think, I think that's so bullshit. Too. I think it can be regulated. I I think so too. They tell me no, but here's what I said. If we're going to go semi-auto, I think we need to go semi-auto, bring the guns to a faster speed, and make the game more athletic because people love gore. I think you could compare paintball to MMA. Mm-hmm. Give us weapons, stick us in a cage, and let's go bleed each other out and see who's the last man standing. You know, like yeah, people yeah. love watching that stuff. Yeah. See, I think I think there's a yeah. I mean, I, there's a there's a bunch of people who are like, oh, I'll I'll be able to do it. I'll be able to flash my board. I'll be able to. Do, okay. First off, why hasn't anybody done that now? Right. It's because it's it's regular. They're all stock boards. Right. It's all regulated. So why would it change in semi-auto if if they're all stock boards? And especially if we can do something to where it's like we can. You know, you know the whole. See, I, I was always thinking about this, right? If we had, if we had inspections before the before the teams went out or whatever, or we inspect the markers before they go out onto the field, uh, each one has to be um, tagged and everything like that. Like like simple things. Like how many times have you gone to an NXL tournament and your paintball tank has been checked by a ref for hydro dating and all that bullshit? zero time see there's a lot of small minuscule things that i think are, are are overshadowed by just bigger you know bigger things i guess in in the atmosphere paintball atmosphere but it's, it's small little things so like if we had um you know a package that's like don't accept if this seal is broken yeah or some shit i mean you can incorporate that into uh you know if somebody wants to flash a board don't they have to open up the frame and connect to the board itself to be able to like change settings and shit Mm-hmm. I'm not a computer technician. I'm, I'm really asking. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I'm saying if we were to be able to do something like that, and a lot of the markers now, they have the batteries in the foregrip, and the and the board is in the frame still. And if we had something to where if you broke that seal, you can no longer use that marker. On, I, I on love where your head's at, but like the, the M3 has Bluetooth charging. So what says I can't just Bluetooth and upload? So does it transfer the information by Bluetooth, or does it just charge by Bluetooth? It doesn't currently, but the gun itself has Bluetooth. So what's the difference right. between that and me connecting my phone to Wi-Fi and uploading a new update? I have people who could probably answer that question. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to. <laughs> no, me neither. But like, yeah. I feel like that's what the text would tell me. They would just say it much more intelligently. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, and who knows? I mean, who knows? There might be, and there might be a way to do something or to not do something. But I think these are all questions that we can we can answer. But I because we have to do something. 
like my biggest thing on the ramping markers and everybody thinks it's it's taking everybody to the same level like i said like i i feel like that's fucking cheating because i feel like if this guy and i've said it on the i'm, I'm beating a dead horse with this thing but i feel like if I, I, th- I think it's unfair if I can shoot fast with my left hand and control you with my left hand because you can't shoot left-handed because all you can do is do this and hold 10 balls a second because you can't walk a trigger or control your marker like that. I feel like I'm at a disadvantage now because I can't shoot more paint at you to shoot you in or whatever. Now I have to do it with less paint, yeah. but we're, we're, we're allowing these people to not learn this skill and be able to do this and shoot, you know, ten balls a second with one finger and just do this and just continue shooting yeah. and shooting and shooting. And and I'm not I'm not even talking about like, because a lot of the pros do it, but I'm saying like for the kids that are coming up that need to learn these basic skills and these gun skills and and how to actually control your marker rather than the marker just continually shoot shoot shoot. I feel yeah. like these are skills that they're losing that they don't have to, they don't have to learn. I dude, I, I fully agree. I fully agree. I think we lost a whole generation of players because of coaching in the game because they never yeah. learned how to play. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, 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 I fully agree. That. Yeah. Oh my god! It was so. It was cancer. It was. It was poison, dude. It was like you literally. You are taking this exactly what you said. This whole generation of players who have this potential, and you are just completely wiping. And whoops, shit. Wiping anything, <laughs> anything that they knew out the window, or trust or confidence in themselves, completely out the window, because now they're relying on whatever you're fucking yelling at them to do. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, that was, but but that's paintball. That's that's an every two years experimental thing. Let's see what yeah. happens, and then after those two years, we'll just kind of you know, change shit around and then see if that hap- you know, works for two years. Dude, I think it's because we're, it's still a growing sport. I know it's older, but we went, we went through some generations that were pretty tough and paintball evolved and evolved and the guns evolved and the guns outgrew the sport. Mm-hmm. And then the players outgrew the rule, changed the rules. And I truly believe that. Like if you look at an old X-ball field, nobody would go anywhere. Everyone, everyone would play the pocket cause there wasn't enough bunkers. Nobody would ever miss. Like it's crazy. And I'm, I think people are starting to see that in other sports. Like, you look at, look at Steph Curry in in basketball. Yeah, mm-hmm. their team's not unbeatable, but that dude almost never misses. Like, they're gonna have to change the size of the court or something if ten Steph Currys are on one team. Like right. that. But that rule but is coming in other sports. But there's not very many like him. But a lot of those players on that court can dunk a basketball. Yeah. So what I say is they raise it by a foot. <laughs> raise the rim by a foot, and yeah. now shooting dynamics change, uh, jumping and dunking dynamics change, just by raising that rim by another foot. And everybody's eight foot tall anyway. So what the fuck does it matter? <laughs> and it I'm not a basketball like fan, but I'm like... <laughs> that's that's the it's the art of the game. Those rules have stayed true and steady, but it wasn't until now that more players have evolved in the game like yeah there was the michael jordans and the larry birds but like now there's there's more players doing more incredible things because their skills are so good and they're playing that much more i feel paintball the exact same way see and and like okay see and i think that's i think that's what it is like thinking about it like everybody had 
everybody had the potential to to play uh, sports and whatnot, especially you know all the pros throughout the years and all the sports. They all got to that level um, for a reason, right? And I, and I think now what's slowly happening, yeah. or you know what's happened now, is I think that the more the generations go forward, the more of whatever sport they play, they mo- they play that sport more. Um, they their workouts now and their body is now more honed in than what the previous generation is because they, you know, because of technology and because of, uh, you know, lifting weights and, and workout programs that I'm sure weren't around five, ten years ago or whatever. And I, I think it's just that. I think it's people are playing more. Uh, there's more information out there that you receive quick more more quickly rather than over a period of a few months. You now get that within days. Um and I, and I think it's just it's getting to that point where it's like you're going to have players who, if they're given the right recipe, they're going to be Division two and maybe turned into a pro within a year, I would say, I'm, or, or two. Yeah. I, I could see players doing that because they, yeah. the process is just speeding up so well and people are playing so much and people are getting so good so quickly. Maybe. They are, but the, the game is changing, dude. Like, there's there's so many players out there, and the, the phrase I used to describe it is uh, big fish, little pond. I go mm-hmm. do clinics all over, and I'll go and I'll see, like, there's a player with a ton of potential, but he's lazy. He doesn't do the drills. He shows up, he dunks on his local area, and then goes home, and he thinks he's the shit. And it's like, well, yep. you're not, because if you go pro, like, we will destroy you. You will literally be sitting on the pine the rest of your career but because they do so well in their area they don't work hard and it's a generational thing and i've I've literally put players aside that i think have potential and been like listen dude here's how it is like i think players are getting good fast but they're learning the wrong things like i would not be comfortable retiring right now because i don't think i've met someone that i would be okay putting in my spot right yeah that makes sense that that makes total sense. I don't. No, I, I know what <laughs> you mean, just like man. This and gap. There is, and it's it's tough because you you can't you can't do that. You can't you can't rely on yourself to be able to fill that position when you're not there anymore. And I think that that's why for us it's tough to look at because it's like we're we're you know we try and bring these players up and we try and tell them what they need to do, not necessarily what they need to do, but you know how they should do something and it's it's up to them i mean once it comes down to it it's like you were you were telling that kid when you pull him off to the side you know if you're comfortable you're not in the right mindset because once you're comfortable you are content and if you're content yeah. there's no reason to work hard anymore and and that's a bad 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 mix you know, if you don't want to sharpen your sword anymore and you think you have the biggest sword, that sword is eventually going to get dull. Yeah. And a small sword will fucking cut your head off. And it's not going to matter how big your fucking it's sword so is. It's true, man. Yeah, it's now a club <laughs> instead of a sword. It's not going to be work very well. But, you know, and I, and I think, yeah, that generational mindset, you can, you know, the millennials or however the fuck you want to call it, it's you, you have to have the attitude. You have to want it no matter what and let nothing stop you. And it's 
that I mean that's how I was. I, I went through relationships when I was younger. I'm sure you did too. I went through yeah. my family questioning my decisions on life of not going to college and rather, you know, and playing sports in college to flying across the country to live in Seattle and manage a try and help manage a paintball field and play go after my paintball career. So there's been a lot of questionable things um, that happens, but it was because I was dedicated to do them and I was. I was wanting to take the risk, and I knew that I would not get to the position that I wanted to be, which was one of the best in the world, um, if I didn't take the risk, if I didn't do it, if I didn't yeah. put that myself forward. You have to set the ego aside kind of a thing. Yeah, well, it's set the ego aside, but it's also um, you, you get to a point where you have a leap of faith where there's a million other things that make perfect sense and you should go do those things if they make perfect sense and you're comfortable with them mm -hmm. but if it makes perfect sense and you don't feel comfortable that's when you take the leap of faith and you move to seattle and manage a paintball field or move to sacramento and spend thirty thousand dollars on college that you could have gone to for free you know like, yeah yeah there's yeah there, there's those crazy decisions where you're only going to get through it if you are 100% 100% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. But that's why there's only 200 of us, man. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. And it's and it's because, you know, sometime during our career or whatever or our life, we've stepped back and you, we went, "You know what? What the hell?" Yeah. What do I have I'm to lose? Through. What do I have to lose? Yeah. And that's that's kind of what it takes. It, you know, and I, and I think I think a big issue now and I think it's with with kids in general with having the internet, I sound like such an old fuck right now, but with, with <laughs> kids, with kids having everything so instantaneously in their hand and having having this information, information quote on air quotes, um, and you know all, all these things that are just at their fingertips, I feel like it gives this generation and these kids this false sense of knowledge or false sense of confidence, and. Oh. Meaning, meaning that because they see these videos on YouTube or, or online or whatever like that, they think they've experienced it. So, you know, so I, I know I've seen it before, man. I, I, I know what's going on. I know what's going on, you know. But, you know, until you actually, until you actually step outside your, your comfort zone and you, you, you listen to yourself and you, and you listen to other people and you, and you be a fucking person of the not necessarily of the times but just be just go experience shit yeah. and it's just, it's just so tough and i feel like until those players step out of that zone of of false confidence or a false ego that they think they're the fucking tough shit because they're the best at their local field until you step out and you look at yourself and you go okay yeah i might shit on these guys but how would i how would i stack up against anybody like where do i want to go what do i want to do yeah and against against my friends um playing on fields and everything i knew that we were the best in the area at least to me i thought we were um and, and i was like you know what every time that we stepped on the field i turned around and i looked at him like all right i'm going to the other side you guys stay over here i know like i know that they're the we're the best here and I'm not going to get anywhere if I just continue playing with you guys, no offense, and we just shit on everybody. Yeah. There's I'm not learning anything. I'm not I'm not getting better. So, I'm going to I'm going to go this way, you guys go that way, and let's fucking play. And I, I that's the mentality that 
that needs to happen. I think it comes down to remember. I mean, like it's like we say too when um, you know we say grow the sport, and it's going to be people at local fields who are not shitting on you know making these kids scared because they're shooting the shit out of kids and they're they're shooting the shit out of everybody and everything. It's like it's like that thing right there. It's like check yourself, motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> and just you're you're hurting. Not only are you you you're fucking it up for everybody. Yeah. Hands down, there's nothing to even add to that. It, it, that is what it is. Yeah, I talk too much. But, but okay, so okay, so all right, so we got. I just I want to get through your career. I, I have fucking rants of the asshole. But um, uh, I want to talk about Chicago. Sure. Because y'all got second place. Missed first place by a couple of shots, man. And but that is uh, that's that's nothing to shake a stick at, man. That that field was that field was intense. I enjoyed that field. I wish that would be World Cup field. I would <laughs> I would put my vote in. I would sign a petition to have that field at World Cup. That's how much I enjoyed that field. <laughs> Shit, man, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Let's just sign a fucking petition. But um uh walk me through what 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 um how did you guys get to that spot of of where you were on Sunday in the afternoon? How did that kind of come about? Did you guys kind of see that? Was it a feeling that you guys had on the team? Or was it kind of like, oh, shit, we're here. You kind of just open your eyes. You're like, everything was a blur until the uh, until Sunday and in finals. Yeah, I guess it wasn't a blur. We just took it one game at a time. So, like, it was the most calm that I've ever experienced the team in the last two years, you know? Um, yeah. Everyone was just really focused. And the, the story as to how we got there is really short. We only played a handful of points against other teams we in practice we played a lot mm-hmm. against ourselves and we drilled the shit out of very specific shots and very specific reads and when we went out there Todd never gave us a play we would watch the other team line up and we had created this system where however they lined up we knew what all five guys were going to do based on that Mm-hmm. And you can only juke someone so much, like a back center switches his gun last second, that kind of thing. But we had our reads down so well as to what the other team was going to do and how we were going to attack or defend that situation that literally yeah. at three seconds we made the play. And I, I think it just made us really hard to predict and really hard to read, and it made us really dangerous. You had to believe in the play that much more. Yeah, you know what I think it was? because you guys are doing it. Yeah, we we had a lot of confidence because that's why like you saw one line play almost the whole event, and like I knew when Damien was with me, however they lined up, I didn't have to say, "Hey, I'm going to go here." Hey, I'm going to go here. We would just watch the lineup, and he knew what I was going to do, and I knew what he was going to do, and we could react like without decision making in game because of it. Yeah, it it was smooth. Like there's no other way to describe it. It was really smooth. Mm. Yeah, and I, I know I know that feeling. I know what you're talking about. It's well, we kind of had the same game plan going in. Um, Bruno would call the line, mm-hmm. and um, at practices, we it was just kind of us, just kind of flowing and just feeling it out and everything. And then when the tournament came around, it was kind of just like, okay, you know, he would call play like every other or something like that, and we would kind of just we would kind of see what's working as players on the field, and then and then work from there. Um, on Sunday, uh, you guys had had who in the uh, in the quarterfinals? 
Thunder. Who had been playing good that, we, that event. Yeah, really good. Um, we beat them in the long points. They had been playing really good. They actually put us on our heels a couple of points in a row. But yeah. I think that's where experience showed, and we just beat them in the long points. Just dink a dude out of his bunker, catch somebody on a bounce shot. Um, just, I guess, being more prepared is what you would call it. I don't want to sound mm-hmm. insulting because they played really good, but I think that's what it was. Yeah. you. The, as far as situational play, you guys were just kind of – you were figuring it out or just – see, it's, it's tough too because it's like a lot of people – you know, I go back and forth with this too. Like a lot of people are like, well, um, you know, the team that doesn't make the mistakes are the ones that uh, – are the ones that, that win. To me, I feel like it's the ones that make the right decision um, yeah. at that time. Not necessarily the guy that makes a mistake because a guy could be, you know, he could be shooting you in and then he looks this way kind of thing because he might be holding two guys in. I mean, you know how that fucking works. But you <laughs> just at that time, you might come up and throw a couple balls over the top of a Dorito or something like that. And it might just, you know, nick his goggles. It's not necessarily that he made a mistake. You just made the right decision at that moment. Right. And to play off it. So I, th- I think, I think, yeah, not to insult Thunder because they were playing well. I think. Yeah, you guys just were making the right decisions at that point. And yep. that had to that that morning quarterfinal game, dude, that winning that is a is a boost to the confidence for sure. Yeah, it just it feels like everything you thought was going right is actually going right. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So you guys rolled into uh, into semifinals against who? Revo. Um, Revo. Mm-hmm. Now they were kind of they, I mean we we practiced them. Uh, oh man, what was it? Uh, I think it was Thursday. We practiced them, and I want to say it was like fifty fifty. I could be wrong, but um, but I feel like they were beating us up in the morning, and then we kind of came back in the afternoon. But I mean, they were holding their own too throughout the uh, throughout the event. Yeah, uh, dude, they they took us to overtime for the second time in a row. Um, they were just really consistent. They knew their mm-hmm. shots. They stuck to their shots. It was hard to get through is what it was. Like, they just buckled down time and time again. They had their one or two aggressors on the snake side. And then other than that, their back line was just a brick wall, dude. It was just – it was hard to get anywhere. Yeah. But those are the fun games, though. Those those are the those are the fun ones as yeah. for a for a front for a front player like those are the fun ones yeah. because you 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 have to be semi somewhat unorthodox to shoot those guys out. Preaching to the choir, dude. I'm like falling right? backwards, shooting one handed. <laughs> like all right, he thinks I'm back here and just diving forward, just hoping yeah. for the best. Yeah, that's when you start playing a little bit slower and you start playing the backs of snakes and everything like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, let's be real. If I'm in the snake, shit has already gone terribly, terribly wrong. <laughs> hey man snake dorito as long as it's it's very far down the field it's it's all the same it's all the yeah same yeah shit. do that close bad um, guys are easy to shoot bad guys oh yeah dude I, my accurate is my more my shot is way more accurate <laughs> within 20 feet than what it is like 20 yards so <laughs> um so going into finals what was uh what was kind of the mindset through uh through the team going going up against a team like uh, the Russians who have just been kind of setting the standard as far as uh, as play goes and playing fields and everything like that. I think the hardest part about going into the finals was uh, not to worry about the other team. We mm-hmm. knew their plays for the most part. We got a good read as to how they lined up, where guys were going to go. We understood, but it was a matter of 
not saying, okay, well, if they're going to do this, maybe we should do this. It was, hey, let's stick to our game plans. We know what works. Just have confidence in the guys next to you and play smart. Like, that was the hardest concept going in. Um, Dude, and it was a tight game. Like, I've told other people, and no one will ever see it from my perspective because I'm the only one, but I swear we missed winning that that match by me missing two shots. And I, I know the two shots off the top of my head, like, I missed them, I I had it, and I blew it, and mm-hmm. that's why I feel they won. Obviously, no one's gonna think that, but <laughs> I've dude, I feel you. I have, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, the art of competition, man. If you don't put it up on yourself, you're kind of a douche. Like, <laughs> I'm so I'm so hard on myself too, yeah. especially coming down to like knowing those shots that I missed, or or the times where I know that you get that feeling where he's like, oh, I need to go run through mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And the, but you second guess yourself and you, and it's and, too late. you know, it's, it's too late. And I know those moments at tournaments where I just like, I think even like years down the road, like, or, or months or whatever, I'll think about those shots and be like, fucking, how did I not shoot that guy? Dude, tell me about me? it. Tell me about it. I get it. I get it. Yeah. But yeah, dude, those finals, like they just played really, really good. We had a hard time shooting dudes off the break. The times that we did, um, they countered really well, especially on the snake side. I think Malloy played out of his mind, even for like mm-hmm. Malloy status. And yeah, uh, yeah I, I I walked away from that game, and yeah, second place sucks. It's the best we've ever done, but like us placing well didn't really matter. Them winning didn't really matter. Like yeah, I would have loved to win, but I felt great about what we did, and yeah. I'm at a point in my career where I, I could be not content, but I could be satisfied for the time being with that so even walking away i was like huh well i think i played good i think the other guys played good like damn small tweaks yeah yeah Yeah. even not even not even tweaks like yeah there's little things we probably could have caught up to but just a a few things going our way you know like you know how hard it is to win a tournament i think just one or two of those things that happens to swing our direction for one reason or another yep (sighs) next time that's painful there you go. It's gonna be fun, man. Um, let's uh, we'll probably probably wrap it up here in a little bit, but um, but I wanna I wanna talk to you a little bit about BKI. Sure. Uh, so you are having is it, is is it a bunch? It's a bunch of guys, right? That are a bunch of pros that are together now. You are you guys doing collective clinics as BKI people around, or is it just mostly online kind of videos that you guys shoot and you guys put up? It's mostly online. So there's, I think there's six pros that are like actual coaches, like full time. Mm -hmm. And then we look for other guys to submit content and we go talk to them. So like we just had Kyle Spicka submit content and he's not a full time coach. But the only clinic we go do together is the paintball combine summer camp and the paintball combine in Florida, like the the actual combine. And those are incredible, dude. They're huge. We host a tournament at each one. Um, it, it's a it's an incredible experience. Like everyone, should I want to go. go to that. Yeah, dude, yeah. you should go. Like we would love to have you there, and obviously we just throw you in as one of the coaches and make shit happen. Like it's a Hell ton yeah. of fun. It looks like, but I think it's a great thing. I mean, that's why I wanted to bring it up because I think it's a great thing that we need as uh, as the competitive side of paintball, yeah. um, at bringing people in and, and trying to make people better. And um, I think this is the best, one of the best ways to do it for sure. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, what's crazy is like the paintball summer camp. You've done a lot of clinics, so you can relate to this. Like sometimes there's dudes that do engage, there's dudes that don't, there's dudes that are different skill levels. Like it's mm-hmm. really hard to get quality information across to a whole group of people like that. But with yeah. the summer camp that we did, we literally had like five full days of paintball, and we spent 24 hours a day with all the kids and adults that that signed up for it. And you would be amazed what these people were able to absorb from day one to day five. Mm -hmm. And now this year going into the BKI combine, it's actually going to be a combine, like an NFL combine, not a clinic. So we're actually going to get stats going and we're going to get everyone on a national ranking. And they're going to have this whole thing like how accurate are you? How fast are you? How how fast are you able to break down the situation? Like it's going to be a great way to get your name out there let alone to learn yeah so if you guys don't if you, you can't afford to go to a lot of clinics save up and go to this one thousand percent and 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 be not necessarily be a part of a clinic but be a part of of something bigger than that i feel yeah don't live yeah. in your little pond go big man swim in the ocean see how it feels <laughs> boom well let's uh let's end on that man i uh i i really appreciate you sitting down and talking to me I've, I've always wanted to, you know, a lot of, a lot of, I've learned this over the years. A lot of us know each other and are friends, but we only see each other five months out of the year so for true. two or three days, <laughs> but we're, but we're good friends and we've, we've known each other for how many years, you know, sure. but it, it's good to actually sit down and, and have conversations with, uh, with, with great guys like, like yourself. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm super appreciative for, uh, able to have this conversation. Dude, thank you. I, I really appreciate it. Like I've always, I've seen a couple of episodes of the podcast, so I was really excited when you gave me a call. But I'm always happy to like tell my story and get passionate about paintball along the way. So I definitely appreciate <laughs> Hell yeah, it. Hell yeah, dude. Thank you, thank you. Uh, where can you, um, where can people find you? Everywhere. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> on Instagram, it's at Greg Sewers14, and then on Facebook, uh, it's my athlete page, which is GSewers14. Um, but I'm on those 24 hours a day, and then I post a ton of stuff to YouTube as well. So people can always reach out to me there awesome so any any questions about bki or anything like that they can they can reach you on any of those platforms paintball bki ironman fitness nutrition the whole the whole works and now real estate so i'm, I'm a jack of there all you go. You know? throw it my way i'm happy to answer <laughs> awesome man thank you again so much and um safe travels and we'll see you cup sounds good man thanks take care greg later carl Thank you, Greg, for sitting down and chatting with me. It was great to finally have a conversation. Like, this is the first time that I ever have conversations like this normally with uh, with a lot of people in the industry, whether it be players or uh, or affiliates with the league or companies. You know, I normally during or at paintball events or even outside of, uh, of everything, if you're not involved or maybe you know really good friends we don't really talk to each other that much or on on the same team um so having conversations like this, this they're they're always a first and uh I, I think it's i think it's so cool to be able to uh to do this and, and learn so much about all these players that uh that we've grown up to to enjoy and to uh and to watch so thank you greg so much appreciate it man uh, let's also thank our sponsors, 
Charm City Paintball, Mike Thompson, great guy, amazing headgear. I, I've had nothing but uh, nothing but great things that uh, that he has been coming out with. It's 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 so cool to uh, to see handmade stuff and quality gear at that to be able to uh, to represent the company. It's cool. He's he's only one guy too. He's not a big factory. He's not uh, he's not a team of people. He's one person pumping out all this headgear. So uh, support small business and uh, local business. So make sure you pick up uh, some headgear over at Charm City Paintball, and yeah, own some custom gear. Appreciate it, Mike. Thank you. Uh, also brought to you by Carbon Paintball. The thermal pods alone are one of the coolest things. <laughs> Coming out of uh, of carbon paintball, I've they're always innovating. They're always to they're always trying to streamline everything and make it more uh, not only aesthetically pleasing to the eye, but also the functionality level is is insane. Uh, I I personally enjoy the uh, the base layer, the tops and the bottoms. I wear them all the time. That is my protective gear. But uh, but they also make a really cool pack with an, an air pump inside of it to actually conform to your back. They have they have all kinds of, of very sweet stuff over at Charm, or at Charm, uh, CarbonPaintball.com. Make sure you check them out. Also, remember, use the promo code capital T-P-O-P and you will get 10% off your entire order at checkout. So thank you, Carbon Paintball, and thank you to Planet Eclipse, the makers of the best markers on the planet, man. You've heard it here, and you've also heard me talk about the LV series all the time. It's because I just plain out simply enjoy it. It's great. I can't, uh, I, you know, I. Everybody asks me, and they're like, "Well, why don't you like the CS1 or the C? Why don't you shoot those?" I was like, "I those are those are great shooting markers, but it's I I really truly feel that the LV series shoots way better. I mean, it's it's the it just does and um, and anybody who shoots one at least shoots mine maybe but <laughs> tends to say the same thing and uh, and I just not gonna lie about it man LB series best out there just saying just saying but uh, but, but thank you to uh, Planet Eclipse appreciate it and thank you to everybody out there for uh, for tuning in greatly appreciated thank you to uh, for all the love for everybody you know, uh, message to me, or even, you know, just saying anything after uh, after my retirement video and everything. I appreciate it. Appreciate the support. It's it's amazing how this community can get together, and uh, you know, and and really let you know how it feel, whether it be good or bad. Let you know how how they feel. But uh, but it's been it's been cool. It's been amazing, and uh, I'm I'm stoked to uh, continue to be a part of the uh, the sport in some way. Uh, who knows? I still don't really know how I'm going to do it, but um, we'll figure it out. But remember, guys, please do not text and drive. Make sure you pay attention. Keep your eyes on the road. That's why I love this this platform, um, because you can just throw it on and uh, and just go. And, um, you know, just just keep your eyes on the road. There's, there's too many people out there and uh, too many people not paying attention. So uh, make sure you, you up your percentage of surviving by keeping your eyes on the road please thank you all appreciate it and we will see you here we will see you guys here soon on the playing on podcast peace